0: Hello friends, family, loved ones. Inea here. Welcome to Cast the Line podcast. It is May 3rd, 2020. Happy May, everybody. For those of you who thought April was long and hard, it's over now and we get to get into a brand new month. (laughs) April was good for me for the most part. I mean, you know, other than the, uh, obvious of having to continue with social distancing, having to be quarantined. It was a very productive month for me, and I'm very grateful to have creativity in my um, bag of tools to cope with things like social distancing and quarantine. I feel very grateful in that aspect. I am feeling, you know, kind of neutral today. I don't necessarily feel good or bad i just i'm kind of you know figuring a lot of stuff out i've spent the majority of the day um figuring out how to make a live stream on facebook really special and you know going live for me is um a challenge because i you know as i've mentioned in the show many times i'm a virgo and also a control freak and going live, there's just so many variables there, so many things that can go wrong, and so many chances for sort of awkward interaction. Is the audio working? Is the video working? Um, the few times that I've been a part of presentations that have been live, it has always come with challenges and technical difficulties. So it's um, it makes me nervous. So I've been doing um, the best I can to kind of prepare for those things. And to I found out recently through Facebook Live that you could actually do test, you could do test broadcasts, which has been a lifesaver for me. So I can really test uh, the more elaborate setups because I don't want to just sit in front of my phone. Um, I want to make it a little more interactive than that. I think one of the challenges of going live for me is that there's just not that instant feedback you get from being in front of an audience, you know, of people you know, maybe laughing at a joke you make or or having an emotional response to something you say or applauding after a song. You're kind of just singing, performing, and talking into the void. And, you know, sure, you get comments and likes and hearts, and it is an interaction in some form or another, but it's, it's nothing like being in front of a live audience. It's nothing like being surrounded by your friends. And, you know, I'm learning to... um I'm learning to work with that <laughs> um, I I don't go live often um, and it's for a few reasons you know one of those reasons is I like to put a lot of care and thought and time into the things I present into the world um, that's just part of my creative process I don't you know sometimes I could be spontaneous and just like you know go live and 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 do something um, a, a bit more unplanned but for the most part, um I like for my I like for my output to be very intentional. So going live to me is not something I do often. Um as a matter of fact, I went live on Instagram this past Friday on the 1st of May on May Day and that's the first um that's the first time I've gone live since essentially my album release back March 21st. So you know there there's a long period of time but um I decided to kind of ramp up my um going live uh as I'm approaching the finale of my web series as I'm approaching the finale of this podcast a lot of things that I've kind of um a lot of things that I've kind of put into motion in 2020 are now coming to an end at least the chapter 1 season 1 whatever you want to call it and i think that's a good thing i i think i'm clearing out space for me to kind of focus a little more on this um release echo brain that i've been it's now been over a year in the making and you know um it's incredible i was talking to my brother how creative i can get when i'm trying to distract myself from something i should be doing <laughs> um but you know it's it's been a good thing because i've needed some distance from that record too it was starting to get to the point where i was really getting insecure about that and doubting myself and that just comes with the territory of being an artist i believe um i think when you're in the creation stage of things it's really easy to just fall in love with that process and and to have a full on romance and affair with that process and and really just dive deep into it and and get down and and let that really become a part of your being well when you resurface and you and you get to a point where it's time to share that creation with the rest of the world that is a very difficult and scary thing for me personally you know and i assume other artists feel the same and if you don't you know i would love to hear your secret but um the 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 point being is that you know oftentimes when i get a project all the way up to that that sort of final um stage where now it's time to kind of put it out into the world well i don't have management i don't have a team around me i've had those things before and i've i've played that whole game but for the time being, I am self managed. I'm I'm my own boss. I'm my own manager. I'm my own, you know, hype person, as you know, some of my friends and family say. And to put on that hat and to to sell it to people is a very humbling thing. It's you know, I obviously I believe in my work, um, up to a certain point where I I really um, I, I get insecure about it um, and. And that's just part of the process I've recognized as part of the process. But so to really be my own hype man and to be my own manager, I think this is the reason why people have those things. People have a manager, they have a booking agent, they have a publicist, because I don't think the artist should be responsible to be all of those things. But, you know, that's the world we're living in. In 2020, it's like... it just seems to be the norm that you have to wear multiple hats and I'm fine wearing multiple hats. It's just knowing when to kind of take one hat off and put on another. And, um, all of that to say that I got echo brain all the way up to that point of, of wanting to share echo brain being this album that I've been working on for the last year. And instead of spending time, um, really putting that out into the world are starting to get a jumpstart on that. I've poured myself into a podcast, I've poured myself into a web series, I'm releasing other material, I'm releasing other singles. And while that's all fine and good, ultimately, you know, I have to finish what I started with EchoBrain because that's just the way things go with me creatively. I have to be able to empty my cup in order to continue creating. Otherwise, I go through these long, dry spells of of just not feeling motivated or, or feeling um, for lack of a better term, uh, creatively constipated because I'm just, I, I have too many things that I've started and, and didn't see through to completion. So, um, I'm really, really focused lately on bringing things to a close and also bringing things to completion. You know, that's, that's something that I'm really focusing my energies on. So, I think until um, until I really uh, get this album out there into the world, that it's just going to be something that it's going to be something in the back of my mind that's kind of almost troubling. You know, I've had a lot of wins lately um, in terms of like I I feel like I um, I did really well on my Instagram live the other night. People people tuned in. They were very supportive. I even went live twice because people were still hanging out and wanted to hear more music. And so and then I submitted a short film for a festival that my friends Jolly Mule put on. And I poured myself into that, put a lot of love into that. I ended up winning. And and winning means that um they donate a hundred dollars to a charity of my choice. I decided to give that to the Hi How Are You Foundation, which is something near and dear to my heart, founded by Daniel Johnston, who is a known bipolar, manic depressive. And so his foundation is helps those who have mental illness and helps to raise awareness about mental illness and to hopefully to um, keep those lines of communication open and eliminate some of the stigma around it. So it's something I'm very passionate about. So there, there again, something else that I'm like, just like really proud of, but, but then why do I feel so troubled all the time? I, I have to ask myself, what, what is it that, you know, despite all of this joy in my life, despite all of this love coming back my way, why do I sometimes just still feel so down and, and get this sense of like, I I don't know if you've ever heard this term. It's a fairly new term to me too, but I can relate to it, but it's imposter syndrome, imposter. Like you feel like an imposter, like, um, you're not as good as 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 you lead people on or are your work isn't as good as as you think and it's it's such a it's such a strange place to end up you know and um but i think it's also completely normal for a lot of artists and um i just been i i guess i've been trying to kind of pinpoint where these feelings are coming from i've i've been trying not to shy away from them i've been trying to lean into them and you know and, and there's a lot going on. It's not just creatively. Obviously, you know, I'm here in isolation alone. My only line out into the world is occasionally seeing my dad who's been assisting me in purchasing groceries because, you know, I have the respiratory issues and I'm I'm just at high risk of coronavirus. And I've been very um cautious about Leaving the house, and so I have that whole situation going for me, and then you know, I, and I'm also you know in, in transition of a former life and and a former you know a marriage and uh, bands and all of these things. I know I talk about that so much, but this is all part of my healing, you know, and to not recognize those aspects of of. Of my experience right now is to ignore a very big part of this transition, so I recognize that, and um, sometimes it's hard for me to. And I've I've discussed this in other episodes. It's it's hard for me to um, have so much good happening in my life and still at the end of the day feel kind of troubled and sad, and um, you know it makes me feel. Kind of like a spoiled brat. It makes me feel very, because I know that I'm very privileged and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I should be thankful and grateful. And, you know, something I've mentioned in other podcasts as well that it's okay to, you can still be sad and you can be thankful. Those things are all right. And that's just something I need to remind myself of constantly. I don't, you know, I don't have to be perfect. And I think that's really what it boils down to. It's like, I, I kind of strive for this perfection that I think is, um, it's just unobtainable and it's really unrealistic too. You know, I don't, I don't even know what the definition of that perfection is. And I think I'm kind of grasping at something I don't really know how to define. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of reel that in a little bit and, and to be kinder to myself and to realize that, Hey, you're, you're doing okay, man. You know, you're doing the best you can. And I believe that most people are, most people are doing the best they can with, with what they have with, with the situation that they're in. And, you know, I am grateful. I am thankful for, for this life. I am endlessly, um, in gratitude of those who support me. And, you know, I, I'm in a, I'm I'm in such uncertainty right now, considering, um, concerning my financial situation, but you know what I've gotten by. And, you know, every time, every time I think I'm just like (laughs) right on the brink of being homeless, it's like, you know, something comes through, whether that's some design work or, or, you know, on my live stream the other day, you know, donations came in and they were really good. And I, I put up a pre-order for a new record that I'm putting out, American Dreamer, which is an archived sort of thing where, um, you know, and it's all tying into an episode, that episode of Hanging Out I'm releasing. It's going to be the finale. And um, I'm a little scattered right now, if you guys can't tell. I've got a lot going on in my mind, and it's hard to keep it all straight. And I think that's why I've been, I'm going, I went live on Instagram. I'm going live again on the 7th for the Super Full Moon. And I'm hoping just to kind of like get, some of these announcements out because I have a lot of things going on. I have this podcast. It's coming to a conclusion um, or it's coming to the end of season one. We're in the middle of Talisa Marie's episode. This is what we're listening to right now. Episode, um, I'm sorry, part two of two is happening right now. That's what you're listening to. And then the season is going to end with a podcast I did with my sister. I believe that's going to be a two-part um, series as well. I'm not sure yet. I'll have to, uh, check on the length of that, but, and then I have this web series hanging out that was just kind of birthed spontaneously in this quarantine of just really needing to express myself in a new way. And it's opened up this whole world of filmmaking. It, it, it reawakened my, um, my love for it. Like, and I hadn't, I hadn't realized, but I've documented my life um, way better than I, I had ever imagined. That's what this last episode of Hanging Out is about is I basically unearthed all these hard drives that were in my garage. And I went in there and searched for a camcorder um, just to see if I could dig up some old scape videos or something. I was just honestly just searching for something to make an episode about. And that's what the episodes have really become for me is this sense of discovery of like, I don't know what this episode is about until I make it. And there's this magic there and this episode is just near and dear to my heart that's why i chose to make it the finale and so we're working towards that that finale is going to be may 22nd i'm going to do it on youtube it's going to be tied up in a performance and also i'm going to show this um short film that i just um just won this 48 hour film competition that i was just mentioning earlier so so yeah, I'm going to do my best to make that an event and and hopefully you guys will join me. That's going to be on May 22nd. It's a Friday. It's a new moon. It's Sagittarius going into Gemini and I'm a Gemini moon, so I'm really feeling that energy. Um I'm I'm feeling this energy shift, you know, because for me the uh, that Gemini energy, that twin energy is is a big one in my life because it it really um lays out in front of me how kind of split down the middle I can be sometimes and how how um, contrasted I am by, by this one side of me that's very much at ease and at peace and, and 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 is almost mystical in a sense of like everything is going to be fine, everything is as it should be. And this other part of me that is just constantly in self-doubt and cynical and sarcastic, but both those sides of me are important. And I and and I'm learning how to appreciate both sides. It's not that I need to rid one or the other. I just I hope to embrace them both. And that's a little bit about what my short film is about. It's just about that um that duality and that duality that lives inside of me and I'm sure lives inside of a lot of us, you know? And so it only seems fitting that, that um my my winnings is going to go towards a a foundation that's all about raising awareness for mental illness and you know I've struggled with depression um is for as long as I for as long as I could remember and you know I grew up with a mother who's bipolar and a father who has PTSD so I'm no stranger to to mental illness and um it's always a gift to be able to um raise awareness about that and to be able to give to a good cause so so these are some of the things I have going on in my life right now. And it may seem like a lot, and I may seem very frantic in the way that I'm bringing it up, but it's only because that's a part of my process too. I I have this sense of urgency that I'm I'm only starting to scratch the surface of why is it that I have this sense of urgency? Why do I feel like I need to just race and kind of run myself ragged to get to this finish line. And what is at that finish line that I think is going to be there? What do I think is going to happen? You know, I am, uh, I'm really trying to figure that out. I'm really trying to slow down <laughs> long enough to really enjoy the journey and being present. Sometimes that is the most difficult thing for me is just to be present because I'm just kind of. I'm just kind of ever moving towards something that I don't even necessarily know what that something is. And, you know, and I mean, this, there, there can be a whole volume and and an entire season on what I'm about to say, but I think a lot of that has to do with, with me, um, having not just one, but multiple times in my life where I should have died, you know, and that's, um, that that materialized as a teenager when I was so sick with ulcerative colitis that I had to get my large intestine removed, and I literally, you know, I, my heart stopped for a while. And you know, and there's there's other there's other instances where this has been the case, and I'm just like, why am I here, you know? And I think that also triggers that sort of imposter complex, too, of like, it's almost like survivor's guilt in a way. It's like, why am I alive? And But it's also created this sense of urgency in me that I, you know, often feel that I'm living on borrowed time. Like, I do not know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, you know? And I think that, I think that's the case for everybody. And I'm not saying that I'm unique or special in this feeling cuz none of us know none of us know how long we're going to be alive if if this quarantine and this pandemic has taught me anything is nobody knows nobody knows the, the time or the hour you know of 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 when their life's going to come to to an end and so why not be present so that's something i'm really working on that's something i'm really trying to um embrace and all things are kind of pointing to that and and I know that when I'm present, I am more at ease. I have less of this sense of urgency because I'm not living in the anxiety of the future and I'm not living in the depression and the regret of the past. I'm just I'm here and I'm experiencing life as it's unfolding, not as I am um, not as I am projecting it to be based off a of trauma from my past or, or maybe predicting it to be based off of, you know, past experiences, whatever the case may be, I think being present is is a goal of mine. And um, and that's what all these creative projects ultimately have been. It's been a way for me to kind of document where I'm at emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's been a way to document that. It's been a way to converse with others. It's been a way to communicate, to ask questions, to to hopefully get some answers. And, you know, and i appreciate you guys being willing to come along on that journey with me whether you're a casual listener of this podcast or you've tuned into my web series or you're a fan of what i do as a musician it doesn't matter i'm i'm grateful i'm grateful that you're that you take any time at all to be a part of that journey and some people dip in and dip out and some people come and they they come for the music or whatever the case may be you know i'm just i'm happy that they're There are people out there who get anything from this, and I know that I get a lot from it. You know, this has become a source of therapy for me, you know, but at the same time, I'm seeing a therapist, you know, so it's, I'm not relying on this to, to be the only means in which I express myself, you know, because I need, I need a therapist. I need help. Everybody needs a little help. And not to say that everybody needs a therapist, but I definitely do, and I really benefit from it, and I'm not even, I'm not ashamed to say, you know, that th- being in therapy and the therapist that I found, I'm so grateful for that. It's helped me to realize a lot about myself and also realize that I'm way too freaking hard on myself. I could give myself a little more credit. Oh, did I even breathe that whole time? Holy Jesus. Um <laughs> hello everybody. Happy Sunday. Man, okay. Well just like anything that I do, I just don't know what's going to happen until I hit record. And I'm always thankful for the opportunity to do so. I'm going to get into, um, I'm going to get into today's episode, which is the conclusion of Talisa Marie podcast, um, that I got to do before all this quarantine madness. And, um, I really hope you enjoy it. Talisa is an amazing human being with even more amazing music and, if you guys listen to part one, um, you'll understand and you do understand just how incredible of a person she is. And we're going to get into part two of two today. Enjoy. Where does your creativity lead you when you get transferred to this new school? You're in fifth, fifth grade?
1: Uh, I was actually going into fourth grade. So fourth and fifth grade, I I finished out over at this new school. Um, At that point, that's when I'd really taken an interest in music. But for me, it was the concert symphonic band type of thing. Like I knew that I still enjoyed singing and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not terrible. At the time, but I got introduced to playing instruments. Okay. For the school. So, so we did like a.
0: What instrument are you playing at this I point? I actually
1: started off on clarinet. Heck yeah. Or not. I was woodwind and I started off I on clarinet. I love
0: clarinets. I love the sound of a clarinet.
1: It took me a little bit to grow the deeper appreciation for it, but I, cause I wanted to start off on saxophone. But Wait, did you
0: get put on clarinet?
1: I had talked to, I think I had talked to my mom about like wanting to play on either one. And she was like, well, you can start off on this because. My mom played flute, like in middle school band. Yeah. I think uh-huh. it was either it was either that or clarinet, but we ended up starting off on that just because it was a little cheaper.
0: Makes um, sense.
1: And we didn't really know if I was going like to stick with it. She's like balancing the
0: checkbook. She's like, uh,
1: maybe you better start <laughs> off on clarinet. Well, she I think she just remembered like the whole because I very much was like. I would be like gung-ho about trying something out and then it would just, it would fade out. And she's like, well, well, let's see if you stick this out. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like,
0: why don't we start with the recorder? Let's see how you (laughs) do. Pretty
1: much, man. So, um, we were just kind of looking at that. And I remember the, the guy came in and they did like this little presentation of like, if any of you guys are thinking, and this is fifth grade, um, when you're going to middle school, here's some of the instruments you could possibly be learning. And, um, He was playing Dilemma by Nelly on the saxophone. And I was like, that's what I want to play. That's what I want to play. like, that's my jam right there. That's my jam. Like, you know, no matter what I do, I just want to play you. And, (laughs) like, it just didn't happen, though, because I was, like, talking to my mom. And we were both trying to – well, I know she was definitely trying to be realistic about, like, Talisa, are you actually going to stick it out, though?
0: Right. You know what I mean? So Because at this point, your track record is, like – It
1: was not good with my parents (laughs) at that point when I try stuff. Because even when I played basketball, like – after I started to lose a little bit of the the fire with playing that all yeah. the time, um, I just I knew that I wanted to. Do something with music, and that sold me on wanting to try out. Well, this band you were going—you were
0: going through your Goldilocks phase, um, which is something I just made up right now. But you know, just the story of Goldilocks, <laughs> yeah, where she's like, "Is this, you know, yeah. this soup's too hot? This soup's too cold? Is this this bed's too soft?" You know, what I mean? like you're that. just, that's
1: what I would tell people now. Yeah, you were going through your Here's Goldilocks one through nine phase. Was Goldilocks phase, and you were looking—you
0: were looking for the bed that this one's just right, <laughs> and that's yeah. fine. You were figuring it out. You were yeah. doing some soul searching. I so, dig it.
1: Yeah. So it was awesome. I mean, I finally, I talked to my mom about it and at this point she was like, yeah, you know, they, her and my dad, they talked about it just to make sure like to rent the instruments and stuff like, you know, her and and my dad and my stepdad all like got together to make sure this was something that, you know, I could do and it wouldn't hurt if I stopped doing it. Like I said, because my track record was terrible at that point as a kid. Um, and they would come by to the schools, I think like once a week and they were teaching us like the the fundamentals of just learning how to play the instrument and everything, and that would prepare us for going into middle school, which is where like from sixth grade through the rest of till I graduated high school, I only took one year off from playing music. Um, But I was a band geek, you know, and I was proud of it because right. I was just like it was that just and you it stayed was on you me. stayed on
0: clarinet the whole time.
1: I stayed on clarinet until my junior year. I would finally made the switch, and I switched over to tenor sax. So I didn't even take alto or anything. I just went straight to like, all right, big dick energy, throw me a tenor. <laughs> Here we go. Hell and yeah! I just I had always loved it, you know. Um, and that's where for me, and did you
0: find because saxophone is a woodwind instrument? Did mm-hmm. you did you feel like uh, did you feel like you were able to? I felt like of-
1: it was easier for me to huh? learn that than You're it was like, the See, clarinet. I
0: told you. <laughs>
1: Like I just I don't know why when I look back at when I made the switch and even talking to like some of the older students who played those instruments are like this is really probably easier than you learning clarinet. And when I go back and I and I think about all of it I was like I remember I picked it up within like a couple
0: weeks. Sure. And,
1: you know, I was getting pretty damn good on the tenor sax and damn, then I graduated. I haven't played since I graduated oh, man. high school. And
0: you got to pick that thing back up. I'm looking for a tender sax player.
1: <laughs> well, that was the thing is for the longest time I was like that'd be so cool to start like a band with all this cuz I went through like a ska music phase. It was very very short.
0: Everybody but does. Went,
1: but I went through it and I You're was like that would be so awesome to incorporate that. But then as you know as time's passed since then I'm like horn sections can make or break music for me and when you have the right Horn players with the right passion that they're projecting yeah. on and you're through their instrument, right. then it, right. it's it sells it for me. Mm-hmm. Um But when I find right, you need the it was right awesome. you need the yeah. right
0: horn players for sure,
1: hundred percent. But so that's you, when I started off though it was just with clarinet. So cause... you make the
0: switch to tenor sax and and you you play for the remainder of high school. And, mm-hmm. um So where does where does that music journey lead you to? Are you just kind of doing the the general sort of band recitals and like are you doing any sort of like pep rallies, stuff like that. What, what is, what is playing saxophone in the school band mean for you?
1: Um, just band Mm. in, in high school in general was, you know, the, the band competitions, that's where I was exposed to marching, marching band for me, which is a totally different animal and anybody who's ever knocked marching band, I'd really like to see you go to a marching band clinic for hours, man. Like, it's it's no, a different it's kind of things. beast. Yeah. And, but it's also competitive. Yeah. It was very to me, it's just I was very passionate about it because I'm like, people don't see this as something that's worth value in the schools. And it used to drive me bananas once I finally like got back into it. Well, in the they band. got what they
0: wanted because music and, programs are fucking gone. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> it makes me mad. But yeah. um at that point, it just it introduced me to doing like pet band and doing like large group where we would travel to like either Canyon city or up to Denver gotcha. somewhere. And would you do our, sporting events too? Yeah, we would do the football games and that was always fun for me. Like I was all about by my senior year, um, a seniors started this little trend of like, we would get geeked up for the games And we would throw on like a pair of glasses, some suspenders, and we would just like, we would try to make those games as fun as
0: possible. Dang, I need to see photos.
1: (laughs) I've got some, I think, somewhere on
0: my Facebook, but... We'll put them up on the the website blog.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was just like, it was a really good time. I really enjoyed my experience with uh, music in high school because I dropped music my freshman year of high school. So I stopped once I went into high school just for that year because I was like, I was so determined. on like, I just want to graduate early. I don't want to deal with anything. I don't need to, but all of my best friends played in band. And I was just in there like, well, shit. It was like FOMO was real for me at the yeah. time. And I finally was able to get back into it because my middle school band teacher was now teaching at the high school that I was going to. So I got back into it my sophomore year and I finished out high school and it was it was really awesome, and it was great exposure for me because it started to heavily shape what I wanted to do with music because I didn't play guitar sure. for school or anything. That was something that came back when I was in middle school, but I played in the comfort of my room where I didn't think anybody could hear me, but sure. everyone in
0: my house could. How, how did it heavily shape your music, and, and how did it inspire you in those ways? Uh, with band? Mm-hmm.
1: It definitely triggered that fire and that passion for the arts and music programs staying in schools. And it also, at one point, like I was veering towards possibly doing education Mm -hmm. and working as a music teacher. Like by the time I graduated, I was like, I think I want to for sure be a music teacher and do this because this is the only thing that has genuinely kept me in line for the most part.
0: Like Interesting.
1: You know, it just it shaped a lot for me. Like a lot of the stuff of what you know as Talisa Marie now, that was stuff that was going on. But I was just so wrapped up in the uh, music education part of it. Sure, I hadn't quite pushed it full force just yet because no one even really knew that I played guitar or anything.
0: Right, and at this point, were you playing guitar in, in high school? I was. I started playing
1: guitar heavily when I was twelve. Okay. Um, That actually, that whole how it got started. My grandfather had passed away, my mom's dad. And when he had passed away, we went over to my grandma's house the next morning, and her brother was playing guitar upstairs in the room, in his room. And I had just, I had never heard my uncle really play music like that before. Like, I'd heard him mess around on the guitar, and I knew he was good, but it was just something that, like, clicked for me at that time I don't know what it was I was only in sixth grade and it was we were down to the last month of the school year um but after I heard that I remember going back to my mom's and grabbing that electric blue because my my stepdad was like we're gonna get you something he got me a fender strat and I regret ruining that guitar so heavy at the time but you know I didn't realize the value in that
0: I demolished my first few instruments. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I didn't know any better.
1: Yeah, but it was, it was after my grandpa had passed um, that that week, all this, like all of the strings except for three of them were gone on the guitar. And I think it was like the, the last, like the high strings, the last two, and then like the very top, the, Mm -hmm. the low E. And, the whole time, all I was playing, like just on, <laughs> cause that's all I could figure out. Like I did everything by ear with the guitar, but yeah. ever since then, once the guitar like sat in my hands after that, it, I haven't really put it down. Wow. So that's it. it. That, but that's what started. It was right after my grandpa had passed because, um, when I was doing like concert band and symphonic band and stuff, when he was able to make it, uh, when he wasn't feeling too bad, he really enjoyed going to, like, the concerts when he could make it. Oh, wow. And um, I don't know why, but that was just, like, that moment where it a Was this, uh,
0: was, this uh, was he part of the mariachi bands?
1: No, these were my mom's parents. Okay, they the, they the mariachi
0: were mariachi was your dad's yeah. parents. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Um, he just really enjoyed it, and I think a lot of it had to do with myself and my cousins. He just we're wanted all, to support you, too. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. My cousins and I, we had all done like little stints in concert bands and stuff. And he just, he enjoyed it. And I know my family did too, because it was something different. Um, But that's what like started it for me with the guitar. When did
0: you start writing songs?
1: Well, the first song I ever really tried, I think I was nine, but it was just like a little jingle or something. I love that. (laughs) Do you remember it? I think the only thing I remember were the lines were. Under my skin, the pieces of the tile I hold every night are underneath my skin or something like that. And I don't remember why I even wrote that, but that was all I had written. And I was like, hmm, this is my my first song.
0: But (laughs) it was like a whole two lines. Yeah, but you, I mean, I'm sure even then you were just kind of like, I'm on to something.
1: Oh yeah, I thought I had written a hit, you know what I mean? Sure, why not? The first time I attempted uh, writing an actual song was with my sister Erica, actually. Um, I wanna say I was like eleven or twelve, and it might have been shortly probably when I was twelve, after I had started playing the guitar and like sticking with it and like making sure I was learning how to play and sing at the same time. Uh-huh. And she helped me write a song and I actually found it when I was moving out of my mom's. Like I found it in this little folder and you could barely see the lyrics, but oh, wow. it was written by myself and my sister. And I was always real big on like, we need to put the time on here so we know when we wrote this. And I think it was like at 12 something, like after midnight.
0: I love putting the time on. I <laughs> I need to practice that more, like yeah. putting the time on something. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. So that was when I remember writing a full song with my sister um, because she used to sing a little bit too. my sister, Erica. She had just like that beautiful female, like a female strong mariachi voice. Like, and that was, that was a beautiful thing to be able to do. But that's what I remember when I first wrote
0: it. So when did, when did songwriting become more of a regular thing where you were kind of like, where you kind of had you have the bug and now you're, you're kind of trying to write more often.
1: Um, When I was in high school, when I was 16, okay, I would try to start writing music and, that's where, like, my history with um, Olivia actually started. She's – the the Marietta Dolls was her project.
0: Okay. And um, are you guys we around met, the same age?
1: She was a couple years older than me. Gotcha. She was a uh, senior when I was a sophomore, but she was the first person I had ever played guitar with, another female that I knew that could play guitar. And that night when we were jamming, like, I just had no idea that, like, holy shit, dude, you can sing – I can kind of sing, so. Aww. Um, but that's when I started to try to write music a little bit more. But sure. if you look back, it was like I think all having, my songs were about love. Sure, <laughs> but I, I no think idea I think just
0: just having another person where it's like, oh, you play guitar, you sing like that, that'll motivate you. Yeah. To, to like, to, to do it more frequently.
1: Yeah. So that's what kind of started me actively trying to write, but for so long. I had notebooks filled of just like half written stuff where I would write like a few lines or something to a verse and then it was never completed.
0: Right. You know. So how, how are you finding time for this? It sounds like, you know, you're, so you're not doing sports anymore. You're kind of full fledged in the band at this point into yeah. school band. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing tenor sax. You're, you're going to marching band gigs. You're doing pep band stuff. You're mm-hmm. doing, you know, competitive things with the, with the band. Like where are you finding time to like also play the guitar and, and, and write songs and like, how, how are you finding time for that?
1: It was always after school, honestly. <clears throat> um, when I would get home from school, I had like my own little routine mm-hmm. come home. I'd relax for a few. I'd watch Seinfeld. Heck yeah. <laughs> I loved Seinfeld. Mine was saved
0: by the bell. <laughs> like that's what was always on right after school.
1: Yeah. My brother always used to give me shit. Cause he was like, why do you watch all of these old shows that like, you don't even understand their humor. I was like, I don't care. I think they're funny, even if I don't get it. Like, I think it's funny. Yeah. But that was... No,
0: Seinfeld's hilarious.
1: Yeah. And I used to watch Seinfeld for a little bit,
0: and I, I would love, try to get... I love that Talisa comes <laughs> home from school and then just <laughs> plops on the couch and throws out some Seinfeld. That's the best.
1: <laughs> Dude, I was different. I'm a different
0: breed. I love it, though. But
1: I'd come home, and I'd watch Seinfeld and Home Improvement, because mm. it was always on right after right. that. And do homework, do the dinner thing with the fam. And then usually after dinner, it was, I was just plugging away on the guitar in my room where I didn't think anybody could hear me, but the walls in my mom's house yeah. are super thin. Um, And that's where I was just, that's when I would do it is after school. Like I would spend hours on end just-
0: But you were plugging away. You are kind of getting a sense of, of the I was guitar. doing a lot of covers
1: at the time. Well, I was and for me, it was learning how to how do I play this chord when I feel like my hands are like baby gap hands, and all of my friends give me shit for the size of my hands? Oh my <laughs> but gosh. that's just what I would do. I would pick a song that I really liked, and I would try to learn it by ear first. And then if I couldn't quite figure it out, then I would look over at YouTube because that was becoming a thing. Oh, that makes and, sense. Um, I would just look at either tutorials or I'd watch covers, and I would just try to emulate what I saw. Yeah, and that's how I, I could, was becoming more. And I could more relate
0: to to just like. Teaching myself how to uh, like by ear and just kind of struggling through it, but then like getting frustrated, and being like, "Okay, how do I do this the right way?" <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so that's that's when I would do it. That was usually after school. Like that's my ru- cool. that's how my routine was all the time, and then until I started to drive and be able to take off, you know, it gotcha. was I was still doing that, but it was kind of taken. So, so a Olivia had
0: her Marietta dolls project in high school.
1: No. Um, that came a little bit later, but she was just somebody who I felt comfortable enough to be able to play music with. Gotcha, and she was the only other female I knew because in high school, I wanted to start a punk rock band, and never did, but she was the only other female I knew that played guitar, she could sing, and she liked a lot of the same music that I did gotcha. so for me that was that was huge that like, oh my God, like I found somebody I can jam out with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So we did um, until she graduated. And then, you know, just we kind of did our own separate things for a long time. But she was the first person I ever got to, like, jam with.
0: Man, that's so cool. Did yeah. did you guys um, start writing songs together right away? Or had you ever wrote, written songs together?
1: We had tried, like, once <laughs> with another really good friend of ours. Um, we tried writing some music. and. I think it was only like the start of one song that we had ever written together at that point. Um, that was about it that I remember from that anyway. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was always just like, we like to bounce ideas off of each other or we would jam out in like the back of her truck after school, you know? Man, and that's so
0: cool though. It's cool just to have a, a support group when, when you're doing stuff like that, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, there's tons of people who play guitar. There's tons of people who sing, but there's not a ton of people who write songs. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually a smaller pool than I think people think. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, that's a smaller demographic because a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of people, a lot of musicians out there. Not a lot of musicians who are like really working on like crafting songs. So when when did um, songwriting like really become a a huge part of your life? Where where it's like I'm a songwriter and this is like where did Where did the focus shift to being that, being a a huge part of your life?
1: It shifted about five years ago for me. Um, It was when I was getting ready to finish up college. And at that point, music really took a big backseat because I was just so focused on getting my degree. Right. And And you were getting your degree
0: for education at this point?
1: So I actually switched my major before I even started college. Um, I was like, I'll just minor in it because I don't want music to get ruined for me. Like, I didn't want it to get tainted at all. So I actually I went to school valid. for Mass Oh,
0: yeah. and I went, I, I went to school won't... for that, too. Yeah. Dang, Talisa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go to school to um, do radio, uh, radio production. And because I did a little stint with Rev 89 for a little bit. Oh, and I right. just I found that that was like a, a niche. So I stayed with it. And then. It switched from that to like, maybe I want to do advertising. Maybe, you know, this is something I want to do. And Classic that's all Talisa. I was, you know what I mean? So I just couldn't make up my mind. But um, it was in college when I was down to my last semester. My second to last semester, I was getting ready to finish up. And I had this kind of little breakdown where I was possibly thinking about dropping out like my very last semester. Cause I was like, it's just, I don't know that this is for me anymore. Like I didn't know what I wanted. I was just having a meltdown. And I went to a concert up in Denver, uh, shortly after my dad's birthday that summer. And I got to see Tori Kelly and she was somebody I was following for a long time with. I don't know. Music. I'm not
0: familiar with Tori Kelly.
1: She's a phenomenal
0: vocalist. Okay. Like
1: her range is out of this world. What's the genre She's pop, um, okay. like pop music, <clears throat> and I don't know what it was, but just seeing her up there on stage, I remember my dad and I went. And we were able to talk my sisters into going because they were living up there, and I was, I was like, well, let's go, and we went, and. I leaned over halfway through the concert and I just, I had that click moment. Like, that's what I want to do because music had taken such a big backseat just so I could focus on graduating.
0: So it sounds like music kind of, it's like you keep trying to put music in the, in the background of your life, Mm -hmm. but it keeps resurfacing. It's kind of like, hello, remember me, pay attention. (laughs) So it's like, it sounds like despite your best efforts, music just, it won't give up on you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had always used music for everything. Like I would, like I said, I always tried to write stuff just to kind of help me get it out, Mm -hmm. but I would never finish writing any songs, but it wasn't until, yeah, I was about 22 and I started going through my own little emotional turmoil after that. But, um, just seeing Tori Kelly up there and realizing like this girl literally used to do exactly what I'm doing, playing music in her room and posting these YouTube videos, these covers that she's doing. And then look at her now, like, I get to watch her perform her original music on this <clears throat> stage in my home state. It's like, the- I want to do that. That's all I want to do. And I remember leading over to my sister, Erica, and I was like, foof, that's what I want to do. Like, I truly believe that's what I'm meant to do. Like, I don't know why I'm not playing music anymore. Why are you hardly. fucking
0: around, Talisa? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty
1: much. And so that's it. when it that's when it started. And I remember I went home and I wrote my first song, You and Me. And it's like a little love song. That was my... That was my forte, of just writing all these little love songs. Yeah. So.
0: I love that. So so that that's where it became like a kind of a real thing for you. So we're talking like age 22 ish, mm-hmm. 21, yeah. 22?
1: Yeah, 22. That's when I had realized like that's what I want to start doing, but still a lot of people didn't really know that I played music.
0: When do you start doing that in front of an audience?
1: Uh later that fall or no, it was the following year after I was 23 <clears throat> and a couple of friends of mine had talked me into going to play
0: at J. Michael's at the time. Okay. It was the old cocktail. That's Bowl. right. They had um, the, they had the open mic down there.
1: Yeah. And a, a friend of mine was like, come play with, like, come jam with that's us. Probably, and then, is that how
0: you met Scoot?
1: Yeah. That's how I met Scooter.
0: That's hilarious.
1: Was, um, I was really nervous because I, like I said, I was even nervous to post my first cover, which was no diggity. And that was after like Pitch Perfect came out and everything, but I was just, I didn't like performing in front of people. Like I was just always too scared to, because I didn't do well with criticism. I didn't do well with- Well, at this with, point you
0: haven't had any practice doing it either.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, so, other
0: than band, I mean, that's, that's performance. And even then but that you, was like you're a so supportive, That's yeah. a group
1: setting and where it wasn't just <clears> me because I used to have really weird stage fright, like I did a- a talent show my senior year where myself and a group of the kids I did band with, we got together and we did the talent show and we played that song. um, Fuck you by CeeLo green. Oh yeah. We played that. (laughs) And that was the first time anybody I went to school with, like you play guitar and you sing. Yeah. But then I just didn't do anything with it after. (laughs) And I was just really awkward about it, but um, started playing at Jay Michaels at their open jam nights Mm -hmm. there with my friends. And it helped me build my confidence as far as like, I would sign up for it even though I was like shaking and you could hear it in my voice that I was, it was like, I didn't want to do it. But that's what got me to start getting comfortable in
0: front of people at that time. And And at this point, do you, do you at least have the awareness that I may not like doing open mics, but if I want to like get up on stage, this is my way to do that. Is mm -hmm. that kind of your approach at this point?
1: It was a really big push from uh, my friend Cheyenne. She was huge on just like, dude, she's like, you're fucking talented. like what are you scared of? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not used to this. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like I just post my videos on YouTube and I'd share them. But like when people would try to put me on the spot, I didn't like it. I didn't like having to try to sing at that point or anything. Right. But it definitely helped me, especially now where I still get nervous before every show, but that helped me get, get there. And then shortly after um, I started playing over at this place called Bullfrogs and it's now the brass saddle. Over on the south side.
0: Okay, I don't know that place.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's over on the south side off of the Pueblo Boulevard. um, mm-hmm. Over by the Dog Track, kind of in okay. that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then I started playing over there once J. Michaels closed. Um, but Jay Michaels was where I kind of got my start as far as, like, getting comfortable playing in front of people. And then continued with the open mic nights or jam nights over at Bullfrogs. And I was lucky enough... That I was able to get added to a local show over at Bruce L House by some buddies of mine that I went to high school with that were now in the group Beyond Bridges. Like oh, they were nice. starting to form. That was like the birth year of uh, Beyond Bridges with some of my buddies from high school.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, in in this era of Beyond Bridge and Bridges, it's obviously Tony who um at Bruce is he in the band?
1: Yeah. It was um it was Tony, Kai, and Adrian just got added to it. I think at the time, because I think beyond bridges had started off as a duo. Okay. Initially, if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong. But and I then has gone
0: through some transformation. I and went and then, it.
1: um, and then Adrian got put on there and he had, was actually the one that reached out to me and was like, Hey T, um, we're actually putting together like a local show. Do you want to come and check it out? And you know, they, they offered me that chance and I was like, kind of nervous because like i had started writing music and i had some songs under my belt at that time but But i was still nervous that was my first real gig where i was like holy shit
0: (laughs) that's amazing though
1: it was really awesome like to be a part of that and that be my first like hometown throwdown i believe is what we called it at that time and it was it was just awesome for me it was still very nerve-wracking
0: no i think i think what's what's amazing about your story is it feels like you kind of did everything right. You know what I mean? You, you planted seeds of, of, um, music pretty early on in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about age six and then nine trying sticking your foot in that water and like, okay, I'm writing this little jingle, you know, starting to play guitar around age 12 and like, you know, picking it up for a minute, putting it down, getting into band, uh eventually, you know, it sounds like you were still heavily in the guitar all the way through high school and everything, mm-hmm. but you start to get more serious about guitar playing um, despite being in college and stuff, start going mm-hmm. to open mics, start finding your support there, start learning how to be on stage because you go to a concert and you're like, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's so obvious. Mm-hmm. But I think building your confidence and building your community in the open mic stages is such an important step that I think people don't even think about. They, they, a lot of people are like, "Well, how do I how do I like start playing music and then and then go to the stage?" Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, you did it exactly right, you know, which is like, well, practice, practice and then practice more and then ease your way into it, you know. And you did that through open mics and building your confidence. All of a sudden you get a call and you can say yes because you've been working on that. You've been mm-hmm. working on your craft and and now this is an opportunity for you to realize that, okay, a show is not an open mic. It's quite different. What yeah. was your experience like?
1: <clears throat> so the first show I remember I was super, super freaking nervous and I really didn't know what to expect. Honestly, I was just like, well, what do I go up and saying? How do I talk to these people? Because I was totally okay with being, like, the class clown, joking around with everybody. But when I have to be serious, it was, like, a totally different story. Sure. Um, but I remember just once I got into it, like, I started off a little shaky. But seeing so many of, like, my friends and family, there was huge. Like, my sisters came down for it. My Like, they brought their kids and their husbands and my brother and, and his wife and kids. And they all, like, it was just seeing those familiar faces and then like my parents and after I was finally in the zone and I felt a little more comfortable I was able to play it probably not as as confident now um but I just remember walking off of that stage like oh my god I was just up there by myself with a guitar and like these people actually came here to see maybe not so much me at first but now I may or may not have people that may like what I'm doing. So it was right. just, it was, it was very eye opening compared to jam nights where people were just like, Oh wow. Like you're, do you, do you play like all the time? Uh, just, just here, man. Just, here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, it was a really great experience for me and it was a learning experience because I had never done that prior to. Right. So like, I hadn't really been out into the community very long for anyone in Pueblo to really know what I was doing or who I was.
0: So does this lead to more uh, solo shows? And what is, what is, so now you've done the open mics, you've gotten your taste of like, this is a gig. This is not, you know, an open mic. Like, do you do more gigs after that? Do you go back to open mic? Like what's, where does this take your musical journey?
1: So I maintained going to just the open mics and then anytime Any of the boys would reach out to me and that's where that bond with Beyond Bridges, you know, with all of those boys, um, they would sometimes reach out to me and ask if, you know, I wanted to be on the bill with them on some stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like if you guys are okay with it and um, just maintaining the balance of both, I started to play a little bit more gigs, not a ton more, but I was playing a little bit more to get me out there because I did a little stint in reggae for a little bit.
0: Right. Um, Man, this is uh, this is an interesting um, scenario because it's like it's is there somebody like behind the scenes who's like coaching you all through this? Because you, and this is something that I realized working with you. This is something that I realized when I met you at TikTok. But you really have this sense of professionalism that seems to come very natural to you, and um, it's something that can't really be taught, but something that's just you learn or don't learn mm-hmm. over time of, of of being in this profession of of kind of making a lot of mistakes and and kind of uh, flailing about and fumbling through life. But do you have somebody who's kind of mentoring you, who's who's like letting you know the, the, the do's and don'ts of, of being a performer? Because at this point, it seems like you're making all the right moves and you're like, mm-hmm. you're playing open mic, you're playing gigs, but you're not playing too many gigs, you're not oversaturating, you're kind of like building a lot behind the scenes. What's... What's the inspiration to kind of like take this this approach the way you're taking it?
1: 100% it's been observing my mom. Um, and she's, you know, she's not a musician or anything. But huh. just my mom <clears throat> is a, she's a very strong woman. And she's a very strong leader. And so seeing how my mother carries herself with her profession within her job and just how she handles herself around other people. Mm. And that has a lot to do with why I know how to network with some people, like being able to network and, and just talking with people. That's something that I've always been able to do, but my mom has always enhanced that since I've been able to observe that. Yeah, And um, different just um, skills, even from my dad as well just like watching both of them be strong leaders. And then um, my stepdad, who he has such a love for music as well, too, um, just talking to me about like, you know, they're, they're my hype team. You know, those three by far are my three biggest fans right there. Mm. And just observing all of them with different things. But my mom, I accredit a lot of my professionalism to her. That's because incredible. Of, because of how she, she handles herself and carries herself. And that lent it to like you know, her little pep talks with me all the time when I'd freak out about something, when she would just come and talk to me and like, babe, like, this is how you should approach it. And this is how you should do it. And, you know, my mom's biggest thing is all you can do is ask the worst they can tell you is no, Mm. or the worst, you know, just try it. What's, what's the worst they could do? I love it. So so, you
0: have, so you just, you kind of have the confidence to just like to experiment a little bit, but you have the self-awareness to kind of, you know, know what you're capable of. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's, I, I love that. I love to hear that answer too, because it's like, I can't stress enough to people who are up and coming or people who are like trying to break out into this profession, um, how one important it is to be talented. Like that's, that's a big part of this music industry, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only part. You can be, the most talented person in the room doesn't matter if it, nobody wants to be around you. Yeah. Which leads me to number two. Number two, another important thing is like people will more likely call upon you to do gigs to whether you're a pickup musician, whether you're an opening act or a headliner. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The whole spectrum. They're more likely to work with you if you're a person they like to work with. Mm-hmm. So the second important thing about this industry is just being a good hang, being a good person, mm-hmm. being somebody that people want to continuously um, work with. Yeah, and the, the third thing, and and one of the most important things, especially um, when considering uh, the being a professional, is promptness. Is to have respect for for the people you're working with. Is mm-hmm. is to is to be a team player and a and a and a team member when it comes to building a show and mm-hmm. and that that's in dealing with the bands and dealing with the sound person and dealing with the wait staff. It it comes down to everything. It comes down to just being a decent human being. You know, yeah. Some of those things can be learned, but none of them can be fake. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. None of none of that can can ever be you may be able to get by for a while if you're a terrible person and to to pretend like you're not but mm-hmm. it's going to catch up with you sooner or later you know what i mean so those are those are three things that i see that you have and this is why Thank i you. think that you've you've you know you may have only really taken music seriously for a perceivably short time as far as you know mm-hmm. you're concerned you know i think that you're you're going to go as far as you want to really because you you just you have the right attitude you're fun to work with you got the talent you Thanks, know man. and little things like you fucking show up on time and you do the things that you say <laughs> you're going to do you know and you're yeah. a person of your word and and if you learn that from your parents, regardless of where you learn that from, that those are amazing qualities. And I think that those are going to those are going to open up a lot of doors for you, to Lisa. They really will. Thank you you. Know what I mean.
1: I, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I really do. And that's you know that stuff. Even um, when I look back on just <clears throat> how I've developed over the years and some of the things that's happened, you know, like I will be the first to tell you right now, and my friends will tell you too. I'm usually actually pretty late to everything but if it's something very important to me I show up on time. Yeah. You know, and music is that is my purpose and my reason for being yeah. here walking this it, earth right now and and, your reason, you know and what I mean? that is one of the because main reasons I'm on time, you know, with all this stuff because I'm like this means something to well, me it goes and goes a, a lot of value it for me. It goes a long
0: way and it'll and people don't forget stuff like that. What what people and what people also don't forget is when you show up late. Yeah. Is when you show up and you have a bad attitude. Yeah. Is when you show up and you feel entitled. You know what I mean? Those. This industry is so small, mm-hmm. and 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 everybody talks to each other. So it's like, so if you make a bad impression on this one show, you know what I mean? It's like the domino effect of that. And, that, and that's not to say to live your life paranoid, like you got to like kiss everybody's ass or anything. It's yeah. just about being a genuine human being and realize that everybody you're working with is a human being too. And that mm-hmm. we're all in this industry together. We're all just trying to pay the bills, but we're also trying to, to, to reach that place of joy yeah. and, and reach that place where we can really express ourselves and do it in a genuine way. It's always good to just be who you are, you know? And mm-hmm. if, and what I love about you is like, it's like you're saying, on the one hand, you got the Talisa who can be a class clown, who who you can joke around with, who can, you know, who can, as you say, carry that big dick energy, <laughs> and then you, and then you got this other Talisa who's very you know disciplined and very uh, serious about your craft and very serious about the things you do. I know that, and I I'm producing your record currently, mm-hmm. and just the way in which you've organized and orchestrated this, like mm-hmm. making sure that you're setting people up for success, including the people you've asked to be a part of it, uh, which includes um, both um, Ado and Kyle from. Beyond Bridges mm-hmm. and Kai. Yeah. And, and then it's also got Lyman playing some bass and you've, you've enlisted Stefan Finley's mom, Sarah, yeah. who's an amazing cellist and, and string player. And it's like you saying that you learned this from your mom is a really beautiful thing to hear. Cause it mm-hmm. sounds like she's a community builder and a leader. And it's like, you really know how to lead. You really know how to set your team up for success. And that's, that can't be taught, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you've absorbed it and you've learned it. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you, your mom and, and your parents and your stepdad ha- have really done a good job of like instilling that in you. But that is like, I just can't I can't stress enough how important that is. Yeah. It's so important. And a lot of people who are trying to make it in this industry are so fucking entitled. They're so <laughs> fucking entitled, like somebody owes them something and they haven't done shit. And you are somebody who who's doing a lot of shit but isn't fucking making anybody treat them like I don't know I just I love your attitude. I think that 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 attitude is it's so important for this profession and Well, thank and you it's man. It's really I, awesome.
1: I do appreciate that. Um I I know we all say like we are our toughest critics and I feel like at times I definitely <clears> like you're seeing this this side of me and for me I'm like I don't know that I'm always like that, you know what I mean? Like I feel like sometimes I can come off that way where I know there's been moments where I felt entitled to certain things, but it was that shift in my mentality. Oh, me too. It was that shift in mentality of, you know, hard work will always outbeat talent. And that took a little bit for my mind to shift from that because I used to have that mentality that I'm talented and like, I'm going to let my work speak for itself. But then after, yeah. And then it was just (laughs) like- I mean, it'll
0: it'll only take you so far because- It takes you
1: like- Maybe to break a little bit of the surface. Maybe the price
0: of admission, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the price of admission is to have talent. That's a given. You know what I mean? That yeah. that 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 gets your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. But once you're in the room, you're in a room full of other people who are just as talented, if not more talented than you are. Yeah. As soon as you're in that room. Yeah. So now how are you gonna stand apart? Yeah. And you that's I mean? where
1: now this different drive that I have, because I go through through bouts of like busting my ass with something and then like it just, the energy shifts with it. But music has always been that constant. It's just now, you know, within the last like five years or so after dealing with just some, my own emotional turmoil and, um, learning that like, dude, you have to bust your ass if you want it. And that is the one thing that my parents and my stepdad have, like all three of my parents have instilled that in me is you have to bust your ass if you want something like you cannot expect anything to happen without any hard work, no, you know, and absolutely. that's why it's been great to, I, for myself, I've truly inherited some of the greatest qualities from all three of my parents, you know, Um, and it's all helped shape who Talisa is, mm-hmm. you know, whether some people see some of those things as a, as a great makeup of a good person or whether they say it's like, well, you're, you're all right, whatever, you know, trust however your interaction is with me. Here's
0: here's the thing. And I, and I'm glad that you, you brought up a really good point, like us saying we are our own worst critics. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, I have my perspective and experience of you because you've consistently shown that to me. Mm -hmm. Have you had different um, faces that you've worn that other people may know? Of course you do, because we're always in the process of becoming. And like I said, it's hardest to change around the people we love the most because they've already got us figured out. They're like, -uh, nah, that's not who you are. You know what I mean? And a lot of people might hear this and say, that's not the Talisa I know. And they would probably not be wrong. Here's the thing. It's like, we tend... We tend to put different parts of ourselves in the forefront when we're, when we're with other people. And that, mm-hmm. that's why relationships are so important is because you just don't know who and on what day and in what situation what that's going to pull out of you you yeah. know what I mean and and the person that like whoa I didn't realize that was inside of me mm-hmm. and then you start to water that part of you and realize that that part of you starts to produce results for you and you realize mm-hmm. like, oh wow this part this has been a part of me all along yeah. and sometimes it just takes other people to really recognize that in you and, and to water it a little bit until you can water it yourself you know what I mean yeah. and I, I get it man I'm, I'm exactly the same because I I got tons of people who could probably say that I'm spacey that I'm absent minded that I'm lazy <laughs> that I sleep too much I can say way worse stuff about myself yeah guaranteed I can say way worse stuff about myself and I do yeah and that that, that's the thing is it's if we're living in the moment we can really be who we need to be in Mm -hmm. that moment you know what I mean we can let go of the past and we can we can just be whatever's applicable for the situation you know what I mean
1: absolutely with the
0: foundation of knowing who we are you know what I mean yeah because it's like You've always been who you are, you know. You've always been a strong a strong woman. You've always been somebody who's who who needs to express themselves artistically and creatively. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's been a very hard worker and motivated and regardless of knowing exactly what you wanted to do. Well, fuck, that's life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most people still don't know what they want to do. They're, yeah. you know, pushing 50, 60 years old. They're just like, fuck, they're just going to work till they die, you know. That's their yeah. That's their whole plan. And mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm not talking shit about that. But we have an opportunity to like to really work towards something that we're passionate about. You know what I mean? That's that's the goal and the challenge of music. But I think I think for me, the beauty is in recognizing that I'm gonna fucking do this anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if other people appreciate it the way that I do. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if if it's paying the bills, it. I used to put so much pressure and weight on myself to produce some sort of stability for me. Mm-hmm. I might produce that. I may not. It doesn't fucking matter to me anymore. Yeah. I just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. And it sounds to me like, you know that this is what you're supposed to do as well. And so like the best that I can do is just support myself in all the ways that I know how to make sure that I continue doing that Mm -hmm. and extend that same support to people who I see who are doing the same thing. You know, I think that's a a lot of the reason why I feel like so drawn to you and James and, and to, to Stefan is that I can really see, I can really see the focus. I can really see that this is your priority Mm -hmm. and I know that deep down in my heart that whatever i can do to assist you guys in your in your push towards making this a full-time thing i'm going to do it but here's the thing like i could not anticipate how much i would learn from you guys you know what i mean like all of you guys are teaching me all kinds of shit like i'm learning yeah. so much it's not like i'm just like sitting up on a throne and being like come on i'll show you the way because that's not <laughs> how it is at all like i really yeah to me anybody who is anybody who is in the pursuit of being themselves mm-hmm. and and prioritizing their passions i see myself as an equal with you yeah. know what i mean and at that point it's just like what can we do what can we do to help each other what can we do to support each other yeah you know what i mean and and then on the other side of that is there's a lot of people who aren't really willing to do it for themselves you know what i mean and I've just realized that although I can have love for those types of people and I can support them, sometimes the best way to support them is to, is to kind of <laughs> kick them the fuck out of my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because it's like, dude, you you can't even help yourself. Like how are you gonna accept help from somebody else? You know what I yeah. mean? And I realize, even in just saying that out loud that I'm really saying that about me too, that mm-hmm. what I've been really learning in this last year of my life is how to help myself, mm-hmm. how to take care of myself. How to do the things for myself that I've always wanted a partner to do, that I've always wanted a a, a family member to do, or 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 a, f- a best friend, whatever the case may be. It's like when I've re- since I've removed that expectation from the outside world and put that responsibility on me, where I think that responsibility belongs. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man, my life is opened up, and I can really have that unconditional love we were talking about. I can yeah. really love people. Because I don't expect anything from them anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And that's like I, I've gone through like a few a couple major things and like I've expressed to you and expressed to really about anybody who's got an open ear within the last year or so that, you know, I'm I'm learning now the things that like I, I do that were hindering me from becoming the best version of myself. Yeah. And um, I had this expectation of what I should or shouldn't do, how I should carry myself. And now that I'm just finally letting go of that expectation a little bit at a time every day, it's allowing me to open up my heart, my mind, to how to best help myself. Like you said, like no one can help you unless no. you're willing to help
0: yourself. And, and then the thing about that is it's only until you're through that that you can even have that sort of retrospective, that that sort of, in retrospect, I realize now that these things that I was doing Mm -hmm. wasn't working for me. But when we're in that shit,
1: we don't fucking it. You don't give a shit out, honestly. You you know what I mean? Well, it's
0: it's not even that. It's like we we don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. So it's like where we're at now, we actually have some contrast to be like, okay, I see what works and what doesn't work now. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, you know, five, ten years down the road, we're going to be like, oh, man, I can really see how that wasn't working for me. It's just, it's all about perspective. And
1: unfortunately,
0: we just got to go through shit. You know what I mean?
1: And for me, it's like I said, just within the last year or even back, like when I was coming to terms with my sexuality and allowing that to be a part of my life and and acceptance, um, you know, it's just like, like I've mentioned earlier, it's relearning myself or learning who I am in this moment and learning some of the things and behaviors and even my own triggers, you know, um, learning how to help myself. Mm. because if not then it's just going to become this influx of negativity within my life and right now I, I really feel like I'm I'm actually proud of myself for what little bit of progress I've seen within myself just within the last two months because before that I wasn't doing anything to help myself yeah I was sabotaging pushing people away lashing out whatever it was but now I just see that like this is, I'm trying to live my life going forward, not just as like a New Year's resolution, because I always break those every yeah. year, but just in general, I, I want to, I just want to <clears throat> live my life with more intention. But for me, that's learning what intention truly is. Yeah, absolutely. And learning, you know, that there's some things that I may be harboring. That I have to learn to let go, but I have to actually deal with it and not just sweep it under the rug. Yeah, absolutely. And, and
0: it's and it's a process. It's
1: been a very big process. It's a for process. Me, you know what I mean. And I
0: think that to me, the, the the most important thing that I've learned in my life that that's applicable to me in this moment is mm-hmm. to learn to love myself through the process. Yeah, through the process because it's like we're to me, I I'm an infant. When it comes to loving myself, Mm -hmm. I am like, I'm a fucking toddler when it comes to taking care of myself, you know what I mean? So I gotta, just like anything, you gotta like, you gotta crawl, you gotta take baby steps, you gotta walk, you know? So I'm, I'm, I feel like, you know, I had a, I had this, um, revelation the other day. I don't know where it came from, but I, (laughs) but it just, in my mind, these words came in. It said, anybody can walk on water. You just have to make yourself light. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Where the fuck did that come from?" Yeah, and it's like, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah, we all can get to that place, and we all mm-hmm. could even get to the place where we can fly, probably. But it's like, we have to love ourselves through that whole process, and we can't continuously criticize ourselves for not being able to to fly or walk on water or whatever the case may be. It's like yeah. we wouldn't scold a child who was learning how to how to walk if they fell down, yeah. but that's kind of what we do to ourselves. When we, when we, when we kind of, when we criticize ourselves too harshly or we're unkind to ourselves, we're kind of like, oh, you piece of shit. Why can't you just be better? Yeah, You know what I mean? But that doesn't encourage us. That doesn't help us grow. That doesn't make us feel loved. It doesn't make us feel seen. It doesn't make us feel wanted. Mm-hmm. And that is triggering for me. You know yeah. what I mean? Then I feel like a piece of shit. Then I feel like, oh, wow, I, I don't deserve to live. That's the extreme of that. You know yeah. what I mean? The thing about negativity to me is like the things that I used to um, view as being negative was just unhealthy, mm-hmm. not so much negative. Yeah. Like unhealthy is a better word for it because it's like, there's such a thing as healthy anger. There's mm-hmm. such a thing as unhealthy anger. Yeah. Unhealthy anger is usually what we primarily know as rage or outbursts mm-hmm. or tantrums. Yeah. Healthy anger is saying I'm fucking mad right now because this happened and this makes me angry. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that anger through in a healthy way I think is is really a positive. Mm-hmm. It's not negative anymore. You're you're yeah. flipping it, you know what I mean? It's like anger isn't isn't by nature negative it's not negative or positive anger mm-hmm. is just an emotion that we feel it's yeah. caused by something mm-hmm. it doesn't come from fucking nowhere yeah anger didn't just fucking knock on our door for no reason it doesn't have a paper route you know what i mean <laughs> it's yeah. like anger comes around when it it's it's necessary for us to process something now yeah. we have I mean, we have more than a couple choices in the matter, I'm, I'm sure. But, but if we're just breaking it down to, to, to a few very extreme choices, our, our first choice is to get angry mm-hmm. and then say, oh, well, I don't like that thought. So it's like you were saying, then we just sweep it under the rug or we say, oh, not now. I don't want to feel that. Yeah. So you just put it away. Mm-hmm. So what does that do? It doesn't do anything. It doesn't remove the anger. Mm-hmm. It just says, not now. It just puts it over to the side. We just until toss you're it. ready to it. We just with toss it. it over to the side, yeah. and, and then pretty soon we look we look over to the left, and it's like, oh my god, I just tossed about fucking fifteen years worth of anger over there, mm-hmm. and now it's about to implode. Yeah, you know it, what I mean. And then choice number two is we just fucking feel angry. Just feel angry. <laughs> what? Why are we scared of that? Why are yeah. we scared just to feel angry? Like it? It's probably gonna last ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's about how long a triggered response takes to mm-hmm. to to reach the end of it you yeah. know what i mean so i'm just learning that a healthy way to deal with stuff is to fucking deal with it just mm-hmm. deal with it you don't have to excuse it you don't have to ask yourself why it's just like or ask yourself why it's it's good to ask yourself why but i'm just what i'm getting at is that that turns it from being a negative thing to a positive thing mm-hmm. now this idea that this idea that being positive is is only thinking happy thoughts it's only fucking like that's I think that that's so ridiculous. And that's why I don't subscribe to any sort of woo-woo way of thinking. Like I'm, and what I mean by woo-woo is people who are just like positive mental attitude about everything. It's like, no, I don't agree. I don't Mm -hmm. agree with that because that's just doing the same thing about tossing your anger in the corner. It's like, you're just wishing all of your bad shit away, but you're not getting rid of it. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it's about just saying, I'm feeling this way and that's okay. You know, I'm fucking angry right now and that's okay. I feel this way and you know what? I'm not gonna feel this way forever. This is just a part of me that feels this way Mm -hmm. and it's going to pass and maybe I'll sit with it for a little while. Maybe I'll ask myself why. Maybe I'll ask myself, am I angry at the thing that made me angry or am I angry because this reminds me of every fucking time I've felt this way? Yeah. Because it's probably that. Mm -hmm. It's probably the latter. It's probably like, oh... And that's why we say things like triggered, like when we're triggered, we're not just feeling the anger from that moment. We're feeling the fucking, we're feeling the anger of our ancestors. I'm almost convinced. I think we're feeling a fucking lineage of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when we choose to heal ourselves, we're like, we're literally healing our entire, our entire ancestry. That's why it's so powerful.
1: There's a lot of, and I like that you, you had talked about how instead of it's, there's the actual negativity versus the healthy way to deal with what we perceive as negativity. And that's a big thing that I'm going through right now is just learning to find that balance of, is this actually negative or is there a different way I can deal with this? And that's just, that's a part of me learning myself in this moment who I am, Mm -hmm. especially because that mentality and that different kind of shift in my own energy has only been within the last couple months. Whereas prior to that, it was, like I said, a lot of the behaviors I had been exhibiting for years, whether it was from being hurt, happy, angry, sad, whatever, you know. And now I'm like, I want to understand myself on a deeper level Mm -hmm. because it is coming out in more of my music that I've been writing over the last like six or seven months, you know, where I'm finally listening to myself and Mm. trying to understand like, Okay, why why do you react this way? Why do you get so angry about things? Why do you get so happy when this like happens, or why do you get kind of like an uneasy feeling, or why do you just kind of stay like neutral that's or stagnant? So good. And that's
0: oh my god, you know my my which, biggest. What you're doing is you're helping your intuition to to grow.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's more of I'm trying to learn to love myself on a on a deeper level, yeah. um, on a way that I had never been loved before, whether Mm -hmm. it's been by other people that I've been trying to seek it from or Mm -hmm. whether it's friends, families, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends or whatever the the case may be. um, I I really am struggling, but learning to love myself, be kinder to myself and realize that like my self-worth isn't where I thought it was like even a few months ago, you know what I mean? So,
0: and it's really the only way, like we, we can't even let love in. If if we can't love ourselves, like we're only going to be disappointed. You know what I mean. And like, right now,
1: like trying to move only, those mountains. Yeah, we only
0: it. let the love in that we feel like we deserve. You know.
1: And I never used to believe that until I I realized and watched myself tank. Like now that I look back, I'm like, and I made this comment to you when we were listening over some of the the tracks that we had done, where I told you like I'm just I'm sad at the girl who I'm sad at the Talisa who wrote these songs because I can I can like here where my mental state was at, you know, because I hadn't been through this type of heartbreak. I'd been through other types of heartbreak, but not this type. And this type of heartbreak was the one where it's, it's actually helping me now that I see But I love
0: that. I think that that's a healthy way to deal with our trauma. I think that's a a healthy way to heal ourselves is to realize that there is a part of me that is really struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to love that part of me. And I'm going to like, you know, you say you're sad for that version of yourself. You're sad for that Talisa who had to go through that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Well, that's how we find compassion for ourselves. You know what I mean? Instead of being, instead of being that part of ourselves, that's just like, oh, get over it, you know, get over it already. Just move on. You know, instead of being that critic of ourselves, Mm -hmm. we can really be the person who's like, oh man, that really sucks. You must be going through a really hard time. I'm so sorry. I'm and it so wasn't. Int- it that. wasn't
1: until like I sit back and I I listen to whether it's just the the songs that I'd been writing over the last like six or seven months versus like looking at the lyrics like what I was actually putting down and it's only <clears throat> as of like right now in this moment with like I said within the last couple months that I'm like there needs to be a change here because you know I I loved that version of myself to an extent of who I was. You know, I thought I was an all right person, but I want to get to that confidence of I I love who I've become and I know that I'm going to screw up. I know that there's times where I'm going to spread myself super thin with a lot of different things, but I want to learn to take care of myself and I want to learn how to not hurt other people the way that I have in the past, not how not to hurt myself. There you go. And that's the biggest one is Mm -hmm. like, how do you take care of yourself? And
0: yeah. How do um, you take care of yourself? You know,
1: and that's, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm going through right now is just trying to, like I've said so many times throughout this thing is just learn myself and learn how do I operate in this moment, this version right now. I appreciate all the past versions of Talisa from, you know, infancy to toddler to teen to young adult to now I'm getting ready for this. I tell myself I'm getting ready for this next like chapter. Yeah, absolutely. And And it's just like, how do I... You're getting
0: ready for your next nine year cycle.
1: Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I do this, you know, without... Um. I guess letting the, the impact and the damage be as heavy as I've allowed it to be prior to. You're doing
0: it. You really are. You really are. I recognize that you're doing it. I recognize that you're, you're processing these things and, and you're taking them all into consideration and you're, you are moving forward and I can, I can feel it. I can sense it. And you just got a really great awareness and you just got such a great presence and such a good vibe. And I'm, I'm just really happy to know you. I'm really happy to be able to work with you. And (laughs) yeah, I think you're crushing it. Just keep it up. Thank you,
1: my man. I appreciate that a
0: lot. It, because of how hard I am
1: on myself just in general and how much I'm a, a, you know, I'm a sad Sally and like, oh, poor me, poor me. It's like, no, man, like it's all right. T you, you can live in that for a little bit, but don't let it become you. And, um, I'm very, like I've told you many times, I'm very blessed that I met you when I did. And I'm glad that we met even though, you know, at different stages of something similar, um, you've just helped validate for me that like, it's okay to feel through that and feel the way that I did. And that it's all really just transpiring into a really great product with my creativity for me. Like I said, like this new album is like my baby because of how important it is because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got, you know, a tale of heartbreak and
0: absolutely in so
1: many different ways or whatever. And this is unique to me and this is important to me. And, At this point, I used to spend so much time trying to get people to understand like where I was coming from in any different stage of my life that I've been in when I felt like really sad about something or upset. But now I'm just like, I I don't even care if you want to understand where I'm at. It's just here's my story, you know, and if you experience something similar, I went through it, too. And it's taken me a little bit to get that mentality of like, it's all right,
0: but yeah. And it's going to yeah. take, I mean, it's going to take even more time. I mean, it's, it, life is a process and absolutely, like I said, just let's love ourselves through the process and let's just recognize that where we're at is, is exactly where we need to be. And I think we'll be all right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, love you, Talisa. Thank you, you so you much too, for being on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Another episode of Cast the Line podcast in the bag. Talisa Marie Alvarez. You can find her on Instagram at Talisa Marie Music. She's also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, support her. She's got some announcements coming real soon, so hit her up on Instagram and Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, please join me this Thursday, May 7th at 7 p.m. for a Full Moon concert. I'm going to be doing a live stream. It should be a really good time. And please join me May 22nd on YouTube. It's going to be the season finale of Hanging Out. And I'm also going to be showing my short film. And it's going to be a concert performance as well. That's going to be Friday, May 22nd for The New Moon. That's going to be at 7 or 8 p.m. I haven't decided yet, but I'll be sure to let you know. All right, friends. Peace and love, and we'll see you down the trail.